Hello, my friends. In this episode, I continue reading from my new book, The American Welfare State and Intellectual History. This is part three of the introduction, and I'm going to continue now. However, the ancient Greeks did not see democracy that way. Plato believed that the ideal political structure for a nation was one that would be run by an elite class of philosopher kings. who would be above the factional conflicts that characterize human interactions and theoretically be able to make disinterested decisions in the best interest of the whole nation. I'm going to add something here. In fact, the Founding Fathers believed the same thing. They believed that the leadership of the early American colonies was best to be gotten by people that did not have to work for a living. That's why they, they were made up, the early American leadership was made up mainly of lawyers, landowners, you know, Jefferson Adams, uh, those kinds of people, men of leisure, basically. I'll continue now with the text. So Plato was against the theoretical, theoretical definition of the word democracy. in that he believed that having too many, and therefore probably not enlightened, involved in the nation's policymaking, would be too unruly as to not serve the greater interest of the nation. I say theoretical because the common definition of the word democracy does not fit the actual reality of the actual political process that occurs in modern nations that call themselves democracies. This is because of human group dynamics. The open the ultimate arbiter of human politics. I will explore this dynamic at length later. In particular as we examine Nazi Germany in the nineteen thirties and forties. For Aristotle, a democracy would be too idealistic, and as an empiricist, he believed that an aristocracy was more stable and realistic based on the characteristics of human nature. So, the ancient Greeks may have invented democracy, but they did not have a vision of reaching a social ideal of economic prosperity for all Greeks, such you have, such as you have in the dreams of the builders of the modern, of the world's modern welfare state today, the Greeks were after political stability. So here we have the separation of the political and the economic, as far as they can be separate in any society. This would be a distinguishing characteristic of Western nations particularly with the arrival of the Industrial Revolution, when the role of a nation's government in the capitalist economies to create desired social outcomes became a political issue. This would be particularly true in American society, as we will see 
where the development and contrast of the political and the economic became most stark. Because of the American belief that uh, the government must should ideally stay out of the operations of the economy for the most part. Other major Western capitalist nations were developing advanced social welfare states in the immediate aftermath of World War II, which involved delicate political action to affect social and economic outcomes. Because really, and I'm adding here, because really, in the aftermath of the European World War II, that conflict did not eliminate a lot of leftist parties. So many Western leaders in the direct aftermath after the war, they had to fight the uh, desire of leftist groups to really get rid of the capitalist type of system because particularly in Italy and Germany, and they saw the devastation that was caused by World War Two. Just look at some of those neo-realistic neo Italian films, in particular starring Sophia Loren and others, and uh, Ingrid Bergman and uh, so forth, and you will see what uh, I'm talking about. Back to the text now. On the other hand, American political leaders reflecting American cultural values that just seemed to mesh with the values of individualistic free market capitalism were more reluctant to interfere in the dynamics of the free market order to affect social outcomes. And this would even include the supposed high times of American liberalism the 1930s and 40s and the 1960s. Here again, the concern for the economic prosperity of the individual was a direct result of the Enlightenment with a concordant belief in the ability of human reason to create a paradise on Earth. Scientific advances, particularly in astronomy and physics, made the powerful assertion that perhaps man was not at the center of, of any creator's attention and it was the responsibility of man to use his reason to ascertain the laws of nature and of man and to direct this knowledge to eliminate human suffering and injustice with the goal of effectively creating a paradise on earth. Let me pause here and get a drink of water. This belief of the enlightenment, of the value of the individual human life, did not immediately translate into the conception of having the social goal of providing social and economic prosperity for everyone. Like with the ancient Greeks, the early manifestation of the progressive ideas from the Enlightenment was in the form of it was in the realm of political reform. Okay, that's that for now.
I'll continue reading in the next episode. I really appreciate your listening. Bye.